you guys want to learn more about the closing code, it's $25 for the first week, then $50 a week every week after that. Cancel any time. There's a big giant button that says cancel. That's why I hate when people email me. I just email back a screenshot of the portal with a big giant cancel button because it's no admin. I don't want to I don't want to speak to you. Yeah, that's the point. It's the whole point of it. <laughs> it's a high profit activity. Yeah. But it's basically our staff portal. So everything from how to follow up, how to close, objection handling. You name it, it's in there. Good to go. Plus six role plays a week, 50 bucks. There ain't nothing better on the planet. Ex-Special Forces Sniper turned entrepreneur. I've scaled numerous businesses to eight figures. My name is Matt Ryder. This is my podcast, and I'm telling you to put that coffee down. down. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee is for Closers. It's Matt and Pat today, and today we are talking about goal setting. hey Got any goals for 2023, sir? Nope. None. <laughs> Broadcast over. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I do. I was actually driving in the car yesterday mm-hmm. saying I should probably set some personal goals. I've done the last uh, the last few weeks, I would say. I spent really deep diving all the budgets mm-hmm. and creating all the budgets for the companies. Mm-hmm. And then that gave me... Then I went back and did all the actuals for all the last year or two so I could start to see all the patterns and then... Input that into the budget. What's that? Then, Explain uh, to me what what's an actual. Uh, an actual is like what happened. Okay, so it's looking so, back at retrospectively and going like, yeah. exactly where did we make this money, right? And, yeah, and where exactly. what was our outgoings? What was our ingoings? Yeah. So for both twenty for 2020, 2021, 2022, like my variances between what I've projected versus actuals has been like less than five percent. Okay, like I've been pretty accurate with mm-hmm. that. Um, this year at seventh, we outpaced it by like a month. Okay. So like we hit our target at the end of November for mm-hmm. the whole year. Okay. So we'll be like roughly eight percent or nine percent above above where we kind of predicted we'd be, mm-hmm. um, which is great. It's yep. always good to be a little bit over, but we haven't overspent. We've kind of budgeted everything appropriately. So those projections become super key mm-hmm. because then from there you take your projections, you go like gross revenue, and then I do gross profit which has to be, it's like minus your cost of goods sold, mm-hmm. which then gives you an idea of like how you're going to cost everything moving forward. Okay. It's like, okay, well, it cost us this much money to make these sales. Do we need to make adjustments to our pricing to make sure that we can maintain profitability at scale, et cetera? And then from there, went through the operating expenses of the business and kind of reshuffled a lot of things. And mm-hmm. that gave me some good insight into where we kind of wasted money. Mm-hmm. You know, we wasted a lot of money on contractors, mm-hmm. on like uh, like trying things. You know, people come in, hey, I'll do this for 50 grand. Like, All right, here you go. Like yeah. that. But like over the year, I worked that out. It was like close to 500,000 that we kind of like probably spent without getting an ROI. Right. So that, that was a good kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to have a contractor budget for the year and then they're going to have to set certain KPIs. And if they, yeah. don't, they, don't, they don't agree to them, they're not going to get them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you think um, with that sort of forecasting and then looking back at the actuals, there's probably as much risk in being really under as there is in being over, right? Like it's someone like me, if I make way more money than I thought I would, awesome. Because like I make money off of jobs, but you have yeah, a lot yeah. of staff, a lot of moving parts. So like bringing in way more money than you plan to, like while that's awesome, probably indicates that something wasn't right along the way. Like that's not always a good thing, aside from the fact that you made more money, right? Yeah, well, it depends on the position of the company and the growth and the goal of the company. Like if you're publicly traded, you wouldn't want more than like a 4% variance of what you projected. Okay. Because that would mean like you're instable, even though you're high growth, you're growing more, which is yay, grow more. 
generally speaking, for a publicly traded company, it's not what you want, which is right. why they have R&D. Right. So R&D offsets. They can have anything they think is going to do really well or something they don't know. They can put it into the R&D. They inbuilt an R&D budget. So it's like, hey, we have $10 million we're willing to lose in research and development. Mm-hmm. Now, if that gains money, that's fine because it's all in, like in the department and you can justify that as the CEO going like, well, we had these ideas, but we didn't want to project them. Right. That's, that's where you... <clears throat> A lot of like larger publicly traded companies. That's where like they have their big, you know, they were that. That's where they take their swings. Yeah. So so they really want to be sort of not more than four percent in either direction. Yeah. Right. We're looking to, hey, we're going to grow this much out of the year. Yeah. And so like, making way more than you said you were going to, like, can it make actually drops stock price? Right. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like people are like, well, why Something. didn't why didn't they realize this was going to happen? Right. You know. Um. And then like for someone like us, it's like. The big thing is projecting out operating expense. Mm-hmm. So it's like how much money are we going to spend throughout the year? Mm-hmm. And that's like fixed expenses, like non-revenue generating salaries and contractors and uh, software and wages and all that kind of stuff. Right? Like how much is that going to cost? And then mm-hmm. what percentage of revenue is that? Mm-hmm. And then having like an acceptable tolerance of percentage of revenue. And then if you do it that way, that means that as your business grows, your like the amount of people you have should grow. Yep. Sort of with it. Yep. Um, but hopefully at like a, you know, kind of a diverging pathway where you can make more and not have to go the exact equal amount of people. Otherwise, what's the point of growing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sort of doing all that at the moment and setting the other goals, setting the goals for the businesses. So uh, this year with 7th Level having hit its target early, yeah. It, why, why did that happen? Um, I think like we had... I mean, we didn't hit we we hit it like a month early. Yeah. So so like no biggie. You're you're happy with that? That's within the tolerance that you. Would yeah. It's it's accept. like we we had. Um, I think it's a lot of we had probably larger upticks off the back end of challenges than I had calculated for. Okay. So like I sort of calculated for these big ups and then like a bit more of an aggressive down, and then a tick back up and then a bit more an aggressive down like that. Whereas it was kind of a big tick up and then kind of a gradual, mm-hmm. and then straight back up. It, there wasn't really any sort of. I, I thought that we would lose money leading up to a challenge mm-hmm. as well, and that just didn't happen. Right. So I would have thought, like, hey, we're diverting all of our ad spend towards this challenge, which is a free event. Surely in the week or two leading up to it, we're going to sell sales. And right. it, it, hasn't, it hasn't been the way. Yeah. Which was a surprise. It, any idea why? Yeah, so we've done the analysis on it, and it looks like basically when we do a challenge, although we redirect our ads away from one thing, the amount of like because the challenge is like a it's a it's an, like an alluring magnet mm-hmm. so we end up getting cheaper leads into the facebook group anyway right and then those people sort of go through all the different hoops regardless because now they're really curious as to who they're going to be spending the next three to five days with right so they sort of find their ways into the funnel so it, at the challenge is the the product any cheaper there there's no like special rate or anything is it there or? is a special rate okay it's not enormous though okay like you know, you're looking at taking something down from two nine nine seven to two four nine seven. Okay, type of thing. Like yeah, we keep it a. Uh, we try and keep it as high profit as we can mm-hmm. because we spend so much on ads. Mm-hmm. So we sort of like we don't have any fulfillment cost on that. It's mm-hmm. already pre built. You know what I mean? And then we don't have commissions on it either. So you look at like our challenge months because like me and Jeremy are doing the sales. We might sell three hundred people. Yeah. So let's say we do 500 sales for the month. There's 300 sales that have no, no commission. That have no so. commission. Yeah, so like, right. and then from there they go into upsells. And then like for the next few months, 
we're super heavy on upselling people. Yeah. Um, which is great, which means that like we can take the burden off the ads for the month after we can spend less there and then still make more sales at a higher profit because we don't have that cost of as high a cost of advertising as usual. Yeah. So it's a sort of interesting, like the way that it's worked out is that the challenges sort of make everything cheaper. Mm -hmm. So it kind of creates a bit of a wave that then you ride for the next little while where what you're actually expecting was a total dip. Yeah, but it, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, that's so, cool. Which, which is good. Like, it's good to know, and it means that we can do them more often. Yeah. But, and, like, we're the one thing that we're changing coming into, uh, we realize, like, we could probably sell everything for five of those challenges, realistically. We could sort of bundle 3.0, but that would be an awful lot of people to up to bring into 3.0 like uh, putting 300 people into a, a proper coaching program all at once would dilute it so badly we couldn't do it yeah so what we're going to try is a five-day challenge mm -hmm. and then have like multiple pitches along mm -hmm. the way so i don't know how january will go <laughs> we're keeping the first three days the same but then we're adding on two days at the back end okay which is like only for buyers yeah right so it should sort of create more urgency to buy now so we should have a much higher day one pitch yep. sort of uptake but then probably lower day two and three uptake and then we're going to sell something more expensive to just the buyers what's the ad spend on those challenges like 200 so that's a like for i know for you and like the budgeted 200 yeah, yeah. we so never hit it though you never spend all that? It's too hard to hit. It's too hard. Really? How come? It's like, well, imagine driving down the street. Like, how many billboards can you look at? Yeah. It's just you know? too much traffic. Yeah, it's not like YouTube where, like, because um, we do predominantly, I'm sure for, not for January, but for the next one after that, we'll probably include YouTube ads in the challenge. Maybe mm. we won't. Um, generally speaking, we've just done Facebook, not even Instagram, because Marco has sort of segmented everything. So we don't just cash in all pipelines for the challenge because mm -hmm. that really could sort of make the sales suffer. We don't know that. So we generally just do Facebook. Right. That's it uh, for the challenge. Do you think the demographics are very different? Like if you hit Facebook and Instagram, for the most part, you're probably hitting the same people twice, right? You're just kind of in their face. It doesn't a seem to time. be the case. That's it. It's so interesting when you look at that aggregated data that you have of like, you know, huge data sets. Mm. When, and I think of it in the people like my own use and the people I know. You yeah. know what I mean? Like most people are sort of, I see people like that I interact with. I interact with them on Facebook. I interact with them on Instagram. It's the same sort of people. So yeah. I see like they're doing, they might have slightly different patterns of behavior. They might be their business page on Instagram. A lot of, you know, dog trainers, yeah. it's their business page. They don't have a personal page or they don't use it. Um, and on uh, Facebook, it is a personal page, but for the most part, I see that. Like, I sort of think that they're seeing my posts at both places, they're seeing the same posts both places. We find we get far more larger business, like business to business deals, of Instagram. Yeah, right. So you, you sort of have there's like a unique thing where like the owner. It's much easier to reach the owner of a large company or an or decision maker on Instagram through organic. Mm. Because, like, people doom scroll far more on Instagram than what they do on Facebook. Yep, yep. Right? So, like, that doom scrolling has got us many celebrities who run sales teams, like, uh, and, and, like, some, like, lar like we got our largest account ever, which is, like, Quillity, uh, which we sold literally thousands of people in, like, into our programs from, from that JV partnership that we set up. And we did a big keynote like $100,000 to go out there and speak to some people. That was because they saw the reels. Yeah, right. You know, and then from there, started a conversation, reached out to us on email, and that's kind of how it all begins. Yeah. Right? So we, we've found more success on Instagram than we have uh, LinkedIn. Wow. Doing business to business. That's crazy. Which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it, it's not entirely obvious to me that we're hitting the same people twice. It seems to be like uh, Instagram is more effective for us, mm-hmm. I would say, at the moment especially, um, because of the content. Yeah, so Jeremy's presence, yeah. um, how well that content is hitting, yeah. how um, targeted it is. Yeah. Um, he, I find myself quite captivated by Jeremy's reels. You know very, I mean? They're very good. They yeah. are good. And I like. I think that he hits a very broad market of like the way that it's delivered. I even find myself watching them and being like, oh, that's good advice. I'm going to find much a way by to design that. So that's very intentional. So he writes them in a way where any industry can take value from it, mm. which is a difficult thing to do, which is why it takes so long. Right. So we film 40 a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- you know, 40 a month, or I think even more, maybe like, I think 60 a month get uploaded. Right. We film 40 and then we've got coaching calls and yep. other mechanisms that we can grab content from, but it's about 60 a month. I think they get uploaded. I, I want to say roughly. Yep. Um, and from that, they're like a three to five minute video, mm-hmm. um, which is dot point, not scripted, but dot pointed out the whole way mm-hmm. and written to be fairly ubiquitous, mm-hmm. which is the tough part because, like we could just do insurance specific and that would be actually really easy because mm-hmm. he could just kind of rattle them off. But because we have to kind of go, okay, how do we, how do we hit everyone? How do we hit a broad spectrum here? Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. Mm. Um, so with the, sorry to go back to what we're talking about with the challenge, mm. uh, you're only farming Facebook currently for that and you're spending, you budgeting yeah, $200,000. Uh, we budgeted 200. I think we usually spend like 130, 140 wow. okay. US. Um, uh, yeah, and it's just like the ramp, it's just hard. Like it's just hard to spend that much money. Yeah. Um, and what's whereas, the return on that? Can you, it, um, we generally make about 700. Okay. So we usually hit a three X return of ad spend. Right. Um, because like the challenges, they, they have become a really good profit generator, but they weren't designed that way. Right. They were designed to be a revenue generator and like a reach generator. Yeah. So it's like, we, we can get like last time we got, I want to say 8,000 registrants, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, our first one, we got like maybe 1,000 registrants. Mm-hmm. And then this is like, are we done five now, I want to say? Mm-hmm. And we got um, we got 8,000. And then from there, we ended up doing three days with the training with like 3,000 people. Mm-hmm. So now we've immediately increased our authority with 3,000 people. And that just gets kind of bigger every time. So like, mm-hmm. um, you know after a while and then when you add an affiliates and some of the stuff that we want to start doing like the goal is to get you know 30 40,000 people to register and then you end up doing training for like 10 yeah, yeah. and if you can have 10,000 people on the training and then you can have 6,000 people on the pitch we could theoretically sell two to three thousand yeah given the close rates and we've maintained an extraordinarily consistent close rate like it's 30 percent every time bang, yeah right bang everyone who's on that last day okay will sell 30 percent of them yeah right and um, do you get many people coming back for challenges like that do it multiple times? It's hard to say. I would assume so. Yeah. Well, it's just hard to say because there's just a lot of people. Right. And then there's current clients who come in, do the training because it's like three solid days of training. Yeah. You know, um, we definitely do. Like I do see some, but there's so many people. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just there's thousands of people on those Zoom calls and you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah. yeah. Watching the chat. And because you don't see them either, right? Like, because it's yeah. it's done as a webinar, not as a Zoom call. Yeah, and I don't really know how to set it up so people are on camera. Yeah. Like, I, like I've asked many people. You need people, that Tony Robbins fucking Well, room. no one will tell me. 
Right. Like, I'm like, hey, how do you do that? And every single time, my, my messages have been completely ignored. Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one will fucking tell me. Yeah. It's just like, come on, guys. Yeah. I'm half convinced it's just a fucking video. Of <laughs> like, that's just playing in the background on a loop of a bunch of people really excited Brady Bunch style. Could be. You know, like, because they can't figure out how they've done it. I know that there's a, you, Tony Robbins has a studio you can rent out. Yeah. To do it. Yeah. You know, I think Dave Metzger does as well. Yeah. Um, he built that in COVID, right? Like a mm. big, huge room. Yeah. It was something phenomenal. It was some phenomenal amount of money. Yeah. Like yeah. he climbs into the Death Star and he's in a big yeah. circle and he's pointing at everyone. Yeah. Just, just jerking everyone off. Just <laughs> giant face <laughs> <and> hands. <laughs> okay. So you're projecting next year challenges. Are you going to do more of them? Like, or? We're going to do four. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do one a quarter, whereas we were doing one every four months. Right. So we're going to do one a quarter. It's a big undertaking mm-hmm. and they are expensive. Mm-hmm. So like that's ads, but like there's other expenses that go around it, you know? So like, for example, the one in January, me and Marco flying to the States for it. That's a whole, you know, that's an expense in itself. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of things that go in with it, mm-hmm. but it tends to be a big revenue driver post challenge. Yeah. So it all seems to make sense so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else is on the horizon for next year? It's been interesting because the last few years have been like really growth centric. Mm -hmm. And I think this year for both businesses, it's going to be kind of like an operational excellence Mm -hmm. and sort of consolidation. Yeah, it's going to be. So I've still got growth projected, but not that much. Okay. So like we're not going to be on fastest growing companies list next year. Right. I wouldn't think. Right. If we do, it'll be way down the pack. Right. You know what I mean? But it's sort of intentional Mm -hmm. because then 2024 should be fucking mahusive for growth Mm -hmm. but what i have to do is i have to generate enough cash to like finance significant growth Mm -hmm. because we've had good growth but it's like it's sort of like you know saying i am growing super fast because i'm i'm one yeah yeah you know like one-year-olds grow really quickly doesn't mean they're better at growing yeah Yeah. (laughs) or i'm the liver king (laughs) 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 right i can't (laughs) believe the out of the liver king in other news, like oh, the yeah. sky's blue. I know. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. who in their right mind, like there can't be a person on the planet that believed Liver King that he was natural. Natty. There's there's no one that believed The most that. natty. It, it's ridiculous. Eating liver. You don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I lost my train of thought there. Um, next year. Yeah, so not, not going to project out huge growth. Still mm-hmm. growth, but not like mahusive kind of 500 times mm-hmm. revenue type 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 thing that we've been doing it's going to be like a consolidation customer focused operational excellence like but the mandate for the two companies to like the operation staff is to become a very easy company to do business with okay like whereas i think traditionally we've been very good at what we do but been difficult to deal with right because like we are the best and you will do it our way uh-huh it's like well yes but maybe let's be a little bit easier to mm-hmm. do business with, you know? Yeah. So um, what does that look like in practical terms? Well, for Sales Sniper, it's definitely a lot higher level of communication. Okay. And like... With clients? Yeah, with clients. And, right. And sort of, you know, having the ops staff be more involved in clients. Mm-hmm. And like, well, how can we make your life easier? Give me some feedback on like what's been a good experience for you with us and what's been a bad and... Like, how can we inculcate more, mm-hmm. you know, and provide you with more value, like, with what we're doing? Because that just makes the relationships more deep. Mm-hmm. And, and to be honest, more difficult to get out of. 
Right. Yeah. You know, like that's the ultimate end game is to become so entrenched that it's like, indispensable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like the thing that we've done really badly is we've been really good at making ourselves indispensable without the knowledge of the client. Right. So we do so many things and we fix so many things and put out so many fires that we do not tell them about mm -hmm. that they just assume what we do is straightforward. Mm -hmm. But it's just not. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the legend of the Dragon Slayer, right? That's the whole point of, like, the, the Dragon Slayer goes out and fights the dragon instead of letting it come into the town. And so the town doesn't even know that there are dragons. Yeah. And I think that's that that's the myth. That's that's where it all comes around. I think every now and again, the Dragon Slayers have to let the odd dragon in. They have to let so just they can to fight in front of it. Yeah, yeah, just so they can fight it off in front of everybody. Yeah, because um, we're like, you know, we've got An Anthony sitting out there reviewing, you know, tons and tons of sales calls and constantly manipulating sales processes constantly updating how calendars work like you know at one stage one of our clients we took them from forty thousand a month to 500 they did last month wow. right and you know they've been going for a couple of years before we met them mm -hmm. and they were just kind of never got past that four hundred five hundred thousand dollars a year we took over the sales then we took over the marketing as well and it's like yeah like they know we're obviously indispensable but it's like they still have no idea to the level of complexity that we're kind of operating their business at. Mm -hmm. And if we did leave, that business would collapse right. almost immediately. Right. So it's like, it's so the, like so and I've spoken to the board and they were like talking about exclusivity. And I was like, well, I'd be more than happy to entertain it. However, like you'll have to swipe my palm with silver. And they're like, oh, I think we'll just leave it for now. And I was like, that is a stupid play. Right. I was like, you should be paying me ton they should give me like in reality like if they knew everything we did they'd probably hand me a five hundred thousand dollar check and say please don't do this for anybody else right you know because the level of complexity that it takes to like systemize a sales and marketing department that well mm -hmm. to where like they just think it works yeah it's chaos and and, and that's your ip right so like you can pick up the template that you've created around them and put it onto anybody you like yeah, I know yeah. any of their any competing people. Yeah, yeah. There's no actually like it, you know, it's not a problem at all. Yeah. Like different sales team, different people, there'd be no crossover whatsoever. I'd have no problem doing that. Yeah. And so it's but it's it's just interesting to be like that we just it just goes to show like, oh, you don't know what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas like, you know, we're rotating ad creative mm -hmm. five to six times a week where, you know, doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this constantly. Like at one stage that account had a 30% show up rate to sales call. Like that's what it was. And mm -hmm. so like in order to fix that, we triple booked every single sales call. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, we had to create SOPs for every sales rep on how to manage a triple booked diary mm -hmm. and then have a setters that worked hand in hand with the closers on a specific system and cadence to be able to make that work. So you didn't piss clients off mm -hmm. of that. And then over the course of six months, we got that 30% show up rate to a 75% show up rate. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's a difficult okay, thing so to do. From their point of view, they just see shop rate went from thirty to seventy. Good for no, you. No, because we, we we show them a spot utilization rate. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah, we maintain an eighty percent spot utilization rate. Right. They don't even know. Yeah, so they have no idea. They have no idea. How that went down. Nope. Yeah, right. At that. And then like because it, we had a different lead generation tactic because the shop rate was so bad. So like we had changed everything on the marketing front in order to out in order to to make everything cheaper mm. because that was just the reality. And then as we dialed it in, all the marketing changed the ways of marketing and, and like how much money we put into 
this form versus this form changed mm. as we fixed the sales process. Yeah. It all worked hand in hand seamlessly to where there was no disruption to them whatsoever. There was just a nice consistent growth every month. Yeah, right. You know? So and it's like we're playing 40 underwater wizards chess. So I, I, I'm sort of curious, how do you convey that to them? How, like the amount of work that you're doing, like how, because they don't care, like beyond the money yeah. keeps coming in. Yeah. You know, how do you sort of show it to them by saying like, hey, this is all the work we're doing. You need to be aware of it, but also not like, I guess, you, you know, you, the risks are that you seem like a bit of a, like a, a whinger, like you're, yeah, you, yeah. you're like you're overly showing what you're doing. Uh, and the other is that you teach them your entire process and then they, they, they don't need you because they, yeah, they, you hand them your SOPs, which you're obviously not going to do, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think the key is like really good account management, you mm -hmm. know, which is like, you know, generally speaking, it's, um, I, I was talking to a very, very sort of senior B2B sales rep. He currently works for Microsoft. Mm -hmm. He's like a Teams, you know, he runs a lot of stuff. And um, he was telling me, he's like, a client should not want to take a shit without asking you permission. Okay. <laughs> right? It's right. like, that's kind of how you need to have it if you want to have like long lasting relationships. Yeah. So you need to constantly be reminding them of the things that you fix. Mm -hmm. Like, hey man, just so you know, we had this problem. We solved it. Don't even worry about it. Okay. You know, it's just that constant FYIing of stuff. And then, like, bringing them interesting data and shit like that. Yeah. Like, you know, Spotify, how they have that, this was your year. Yeah. That blew Spotify up. Yeah. I mean, them doing that, now it's being copied by everything. Yeah. Right? But them doing that was genius. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first year they did that and... Everyone uh, shared it. Yeah, well, people screenshotting it, posting on their Instagram story, tagging the, the podcast that are their most listened yeah. podcast or the artists that are their most listened Last thing. month, I got, like, 50 of the fucking things. Yeah. You know? Good for us. Good for us. Yeah. So um, those little like points of difference and data, and I think it all comes down to account management, mm -hmm. you know, whereas like our account management in the past has been like, <laughs> you're not doing this well enough. <laughs> you need to fucking fix it. Yeah. Which there is an element of that, which kind of needs to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in general, I think like letting people kind of understand a little bit of just not necessarily the why, the how, but like the what, mm -hmm. you okay. know, we had this massive issue. We're working to fix it. And then I think like telling them this is, this is kind of like oh I, I, that's another thing that I want them to do is I want the guys to get sign off on significant decisions. Mm -hmm. So like we've just made decisions on behalf of people in the past because we know that it's the right move. However, like every decision has a has an outcome, both positive and negative. Mm -hmm. So like if and it, we we need to let the business owner know and get sign off. So a really classic example is like. We have uh, going through a period where leads are not as abundant. Mm -hmm. So what we'll do is we'll decrease all the levels of qualification required to get to a sales call mm -hmm. and then just send the hordes. Now that will have an effect of keeping the sales guys uh, full. Mm -hmm. So hopefully we maintain the same sales volume, mm -hmm. but they'll have a significant drop in close rate. Yep. So like they have to be aware or sign off, go, okay, so we're seeing a lack in volume. We can do two things. We can keep the qualification metrics the same and then we'll maintain close rate, but we'll see probably a dip in overall sales, but you'll still have that same close rate and, you know, the reps will just take less calls. That your outcome will be probably less sales, but same data. So, mm -hmm. Or we can let the hordes in 
we'll see a significant decrease in close rate, but we'll probably be able to maintain uh, closer to the number that we were producing. Yeah. Which way would you like us to go? And so in doing that, you're kind of giving them some illusion of choice because they're fucking, they're an idiot if they go, no, I'd like the close yeah. rate to remain the same exactly. and I'd like to make less money. Yeah. But you're handing over a level of control to them yeah. that makes them feel like they're in a, de- a yeah. decision-making power play. And also they know the ramifications of the decision. Yeah. Lower close rate. So when I present you with my figures for the month and our close rate's gone from 35 to 22, it's like that was all preordained this is obvious yeah, of what you fun. chose for us to do that yeah, yeah exactly and then it can be the same for like a, you know there's all kinds of decisions that will have effects like that mm-hmm. you know and so like we're gonna we have an abundance of leads okay well we're gonna ramp up qualification we're gonna so we're gonna see lower rates from qualification from triage to sales call if we're doing it that way or from application to sales call or we're gonna see hopefully a higher increase uh, like an increase in close rate mm-hmm. but that will make your leads more expensive Right. Your cost per call will go up, but your close rate should go up. So your cost per acquisition should stay the same. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, um, hey, we want to... This inc- is how the scales wanna, have to be balanced. We want to increase the price. Yeah. Increasing the price will increase the cost per acquisition. It'll decrease the close rate. But if you do it right, your profit will go up. Yeah. I know we've kind of touched on it before, but asking someone that you do the sales for to increase their price kind of a, a big call right like mm. I, do you get much resistance to that from people or most people are like fuck yeah i want more money or do you think people are like have thought about their price points a lot and have like really i don't think anyone's thinking about anything a lot no nah. <laughs> <laughs> um like like price points i think should be really fluid mm-hmm. um I, I, you know as a, as a business owner in seventh like i i understand there's a lot of nuance that goes into pricing Right, you know, like I think we've figured out where 3.0 needs to be, at least for the time being, you know. However, like if you're closing something at 60%, it's too cheap. Okay. Like you don't, you know, and so that that's the use of the argument that I take to people. If if I or if I see there's an appetite for a much higher level program, like hey man, you got good leads coming through, you should have a fifty thousand dollar program. Okay. Go and fucking create it. Like let us sell it, and we'll sell the fuck out of it. You mm-hmm. know. Um. So so in that instance, you're not saying up the price of what we're doing. Make a new product, let us sell it for more because we have a there's a there's a demand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the big one is like if I can prove that I'm selling something at a really high close rate, like to me that's a negative. It's like that sh- no one should be closing at seventy percent. Like right. that means it's just too cheap. Mm-hmm. The market has spoken. You're too cheap because you'd rather have less clients and more money. Yeah. It's yeah. just administrationally way easier to deal with. When we were selling a really hot offer, probably like. Uh, I don't know, like a year ago or seven months ago or something like that. Um, it started out at eight grand. We ended up selling it for 25. Right. Same um, product, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Yep. I just said, we were saying it, eight, it was 8,500. And I was like, fuck, man, this is what I did. I, I did the course. And I was like, for the content, this is too cheap. Mm-hmm. I was like, but you do your thing. And then I, I got the first like eight weeks data back. And I was like, dude, we're closing at like 62%. Like, this is fucking outrageous. We should be closing at 35. Right. You know, so like, let me incrementally up the price. Do you give me permission to up the price? He was like, yeah, do what you want. I was like, sweet, I'll make it 12. And then two weeks later, I was like, that's 15. Two weeks later, it's 20. Two weeks later, 25. Nice. Right? And so, and it just kind of, I was like, yep, sweet. And then we had it at 25. Then we bumped it to 30. That saw like too much resistance Mm -hmm. at 30. So then we bumped it back to 25 and that was the perfect number. Yeah. And it was just... (laughs) 
nonstop yeah. all day. I imagine as a coach, like, or the, the person selling the product, that would be a bit of a scary ride to be on. Like when people playing with the price of your product like that, like, I know it's all for the positive outcome. I know they can yeah, make yeah. more money, less clients and that kind of stuff. But like, especially if it's a coaching offer, you're the product to then have other people, you know, determining the price of what you cost. Like, yeah, I just yeah. think that that would be like, it's obviously good that you do it and you do the right thing, but I could feel myself, you know, like cautious about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you probably want to have upper limits. A lot of people will have upper limits of like where they're comfortable going. But the, the value of something is what people are willing to pay for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you were to take a, you know, a Genesis SUV, take the badges off and then put a Bentley Bentayga next to it, it's the same fucking car. Yeah, yeah. Like just one is 80,000 and one is 600,000. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Just one has a Bentley badge on it. That's literally the only difference. It's what people are willing to pay for that badge. That's, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. right? Um, especially when you get into those levels, you know, yeah. like a fucking AP Royal Oak, $450,000. Like, is it any better than fucking anything else? Yeah, yeah. Like, no, but it's an AP and people fucking people want it, right? So, like, you know. Some my, things are expensive for the sake of being expensive. Yeah, and, like, my thought on education is it's worth as much as people can get out of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, is, like is a, our, our, um, our college degree is worth the money. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone without a college degree, I make more money than anyone in my friend's sphere. Yeah. And most of my friends have got college degrees or a lot of them. Yeah. You know, staff as well. Do you know what happened? Interestingly, so like his real world examples, me and Tyndall, right? We uh, joined the army straight out of school. And a lot of our friends that went to uni, there was this big surge. Like obviously we were making baller special forces money, you know, within sort of two years, which was, they were making zero dollars. They're, still flipping burgers or whatever while they're at uni. Then when they get their entry-level jobs, we're killing it. We're making way more money than them. And then they get, you know, partner at a law firm, something like that. And they say they start making more money than us, but then they're kind of capped out. And so now both of us as sort of entrepreneurs of a kind have then like researched But what's the aggregate money as well? Like if you look at money over 20 years, that's a big gap to fill. Yeah. If you're earning 100K more than them for 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like, bro, good luck. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of cash to make up. Yeah. But that, so. that's been my observation just in, again, like very anecdotal data from my own friends group is yeah. that they made way less than us who didn't go to uni then for a little while more, but then they kind of hit a ceiling and yeah. we sort of more, I suppose it's more of a, I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur, but like an entrepreneurial mindset in that I just do, I just follow, I, I have mean, no defined job i hate to break it to you <laughs> yeah but i mean in terms of like like yes i would say that i, I count myself an entrepreneur, <laughs> but in terms go. of like i wouldn't say that i am an entrepreneur as a job like i don't go looking for opportunities i just take the things as they come right? yeah yeah um so you're yeah. a good one. <laughs> oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess <laughs> i suppose so, so yeah, yeah here we are I've set you set up an ecosystem to where you have opportunities is derived there you go yeah you did it you cracked the code congratulations yeah yeah on the enormity of your success exactly okay so business goals more challenges streamlining some of the processes uh becoming more uh inter you know i suppose what's the right word like uh being easier to work with yeah and also identifying to your clients how what you really do and becoming yeah. more indispensable to them or letting them know how indispensable you are rather than becoming yeah. more because you already are. The thing that got me with the being easier was when I, I switched over to Samsung for a bit this year uh-huh. and it was so easy. 
Really? And I was like, oh man, like the ecosystem thing is no longer a barrier. Yeah. For anyone. Because it's like, if you get a Google Pixel 7 Pro, yeah. right, which is arguably the best phone on the market right now. Yeah. Right? Um, it comes with the adapter that you just plug it straight into your iPhone. Yeah. It just goes, and it yeah. just transfers itself. It just does it. Yeah, but I've known you for a long time. I've known you since pre-smartphones, right? Yeah. And you go, iPhone, not iPhone. Yeah. I like to until you can't handle it anymore, and then you're back to iPhone. <laughs> yeah. And you, you get you get whatever the new phone is. That yeah. stupid flip thing that you had. You're like, Pat, look at this flip phone. It's amazing. And I'm like, nah, I'm not interested. And you'll <laughs> tell me all the features, and then six to seven months later, you're back with it. <laughs> you're back to the iPhone. I like the minis though. I'm really upset they don't have the minis anymore. Every time you think you get out, but they I, but pull it's you just like in. but the and, and like I, I I like the Apple ecosystem better. Yeah, I just think it works better. Yeah, right. Uh, and all my friends are Apple. Yeah. But now, like, again, they just changed it so that... You can um, iMessage. You can iMessage, yeah. you know? So there's a lot of, like, the thing that I think Android is doing well is they're making that transition, like, not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, they're making it easy to do business with them. Yeah, yeah. You know? Whereas, like, Apple is increasingly making it more difficult, I think, to do business with them. Mm. Like, when I went in, I had a fucking argument with the guy. Because they go, oh, yeah. They go, yeah, put your name down and come back in like an hour because it's busy. I was like, yeah, sweet. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm here for my appointment. And he goes, yeah, sweet. You're Matt? And he goes, yeah, sweet. And I go, you just give us your ID. We'll scan it in and make sure it's you. I was like, you're not scanning my fucking ID into shit, bro. What are you talking about? They go, yeah, just give us a driver's license. We'll scan it into our system and make sure it's you. And I was like. But I told you I was Matt. <laughs> yeah. But I go, what last name do you have down for me in my appointment? They go, we don't have one. And I go, then what the fuck doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm Matt. Doesn't matter what my last name is, does it? And he goes, well, how do I know you're you? I said, how do I know you're you? Yeah. And then I went to the guy who booked me in. I go, hey, man, am I me? And he goes, yep. And I was like, sweet, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I had to have a full argument to not scan my ID into yeah. their system. Yeah. And then when you want to buy something... I had to scan my ID into their system. Yeah, you, you got to have it right? so it goes on your account. And then I couldn't buy more than one product at once. You have to have an individual transaction with a new ID scan for every single purchase. Really? Yeah, because I bought an iWatch and a phone at the same time. It wasn't just like, tappy-doo, here's your shit and go. Yeah. It's basically like if you read it, it's like, no, 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 these are our products. You're essentially leasing them off us until yeah. the time that we want to destroy them. Yeah. And I was just like, it's just not... Yeah, it's just an unpleasant experience. Like, they're becoming harder. Mm -hmm. It's probably for a purpose, like, mm -hmm. obviously. They're the most profitable company ever to exist. Mm -hmm. um, and they make loads and loads and loads, loads of money. Yeah. But, like, you know, it is becoming more difficult. Whereas, like, if you can just go and buy a fucking Samsung. Yeah. Like, it's not an issue. Yeah, yeah. Which is why all the nerds and all the tech people, like, they go over to that side because you can just fucking go online, buy the fucking thing, put a SIM, and you're done. Yeah, it's your Whereas, business. And now in the States... They don't have SIMs. It's all eSIM. Yeah. So now everything's tracked through Apple that way as well. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting ball game. Well, I'll put my conspiracy theorist hat on for a moment. Do it. Uh, I think that kind of stuff used to not worry me, and now it worries me quite a lot, especially when you consider like Daddy Elon, who I'm a big fan of, and it's turning out that maybe he is the the, the entertaining person that is just fucking with people that we thought. Mm. But like – when I realized the other day when uh, in the States they had that power shortage and people's thermostats got capped, 
you just see that? And so, like, if you had that that home brand, whatever, like the built-in thing, it was like, yeah. no, your house is going to be 70 degrees and there's, yeah. like, no less. Well, I heard an interesting thing the other day, and it was like, they want everyone to have electric cars so they can just turn them off. But that's the thing. So, like, when if Daddy Elon decides, no, you get to drive to work and to home and to the shop once a week, and that your car will only allow you to do yeah. that, I was like, oh, shit, that Whereas even really though happen. my car is a BMW and it's electric, I can take out the SIM. Yeah, and, and they, still drive it. They can't see that car anymore. Yeah. The moment I take out any anything like that, they, it's gone, right? It's just now it's just a car. I don't get software updates and that kind of stuff, which is whatever. But I can still drive it. I can turn that motherfucker on. Yeah. It's very interesting. Like, especially like when you saw how, how, An- you ever heard Andrew Tate's story about how he got canceled? Uh, Maybe. So he, he went to, he gets a report every night on his media. Mm-hmm. So he, he saw it and he was like in nothing for a day. And he's like, that's weird. Anyway, the next morning he woke up and there was 150,000 articles published about him mm. simultaneously all at once on how he was a misogynist, right? right? And they were all variants, variations of the same article. Mm-hmm. So just swapped out photos and like just basically things put in different order. But it was an identical article, mm-hmm. nonstop, right? Then the next day was transphobic. Mm-hmm. And the next day was something else. It was three days in a row. Then all at once he got... Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everything canceled, and his UK banks. Mm. Right? So all at once, on the same day. And now I'm, we're going to obviously take his word for it. Yeah, right, yeah. That, it, that it's true. But, like, when there re- it was really worrying because, like, you know, in, the, in Canada, oh, yeah, with during the truckers, the, yeah. the truckers, they stopped their bank accounts. Mm. And it was like, oh, man, they fuck on people's bank accounts now? Mm. Like, that's not sacred? Like, can't, mm. like, they freeze your money? Mm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, like, it does kind of make you think, like, as these ecosystems become more prevalent. Yeah, 100%, like, man. Uh, that's like why, why. Why? What are they doing? After, especially after my latest crypto faux pas, I'm investing in guns and ammo. Yeah. <laughs> with, with my guns and ammo, yeah. I'll take whatever you invested in. <laughs> that's exactly right. Did you see uh, CoffeeZilla ambushed SBF? No. Same back on. They twice. found him. Like, him personally? No, no, no. They amb- well, I, I don't know. They might know where he is now, but he was on Twitter. Apparently, Twitter, you can have, like, these live conversations or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. These, these, it's sort of like Clubhouse, right? Okay. But it was like a Clubhouse, but it looked like Twitter. Um, and he was doing, like, some answering some questions that were fucking straight fucking fluff balls. And then CoffeeZilla came in and just laid the fucking hammer down on this guy. And within five minutes of the first one, he was like, uh, I gotta go. Uh, <laughs> and then he did the next day the same thing and just fucking fully tore this dude a new one. Good. That guy's definitely lying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm... I'm find him, get my money back. Yeah. yeah. He he said he reckons FTX USA is still solvent. But then he was like, Yeah, but you're not you can't sell any of those tokens, man. Mm. Like So you're not. So you're not. That's exactly what he's saying. He's like, You're not. He's like, Oh yeah, I've had a miscalculation when I said stuff like that. And he's like, How but you're supposed to be the Wunder kid. I thought you were the fucking genius. How many stupid mistakes are you gonna make? Many, evidently. Yeah. yeah. Um so before we wrap up, tell me then you've got business goals because this was the topic. Yeah. Uh, personal goals. Aside from switching Samsung to Apple once at again. At least twice. At least once. Yeah. You'll go Samsung well, that to pixel, Apple. That pixel looks pretty good. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make a big deal of it on here. <laughs> the, the next time I come in here and you're like, I'll just look, to, I got I the new I think I should phone. just have like, hey. another phone. Yeah, I think that's the phones. way to do it. I yeah. just get another SIM and then I try and then I have my little... F- foray or soiree mm. with stick them one. together get like uh yeah yeah they can dock yeah everybody wins that way 
I'm not sure who. I'm not sure who the winner uh, is. Yeah, personal goals is definitely, I think for me personally, is probably... Buy a boat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that your goal for me? <laughs> I've always wanted to be the close personal friend of someone with a boat. Yeah. <laughs> someone who works really hard and doesn't have a lot of time to use their boat. Yeah, yeah. Can yeah. I use your boat? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Someone's got to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there, be insulting not to. Um, yeah, I think uh, I have some definitely some personal financial goals that I want to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, from there, most of it's just like I want to get my relationship with food better. Mm. That's one of my big things. Mm. Sort of figure out how not to be the, the horrible, <laughs> the horrible emotional you state that I am with food. You know that's not. Yeah, that's not changing. Let's be yeah. realistic. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and speak to somebody about it. Mm. Yeah. I, I on that I've thought about being hypnotized in that. Do you remember at the BNI there was a hypnotist chick and I was like, I have issues with food. Do you think you could fix that? She was like, Yeah, totally. And I was like, Seem like a con person. I feel like you'd totally take my money and sell. You know, me I got hypnotized to stop stuttering. And did it work? Yes. Do you hear me stutter very often? <laughs> I was I was throwing I you. I was throwing stutter. you an alley oop there, and you didn't yeah. catch it. Uh, I was. Uh, 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 did it work? Yeah. I was expecting a Will Smith line. Sometimes I get nervous and stutter to stutter. No, I had a debilitating stutter. I had sort of like a dyspraxic stutter where you can't speak. I'd go like that. Still happens on e words every now and then. Not not that much, but like sometimes I'll change out e to a to make it easier for me to say. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it rarely happens. Okay. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, it'll probably happen at some stage. But um, I had really bad, like I couldn't, I could barely say a fucking thing. Like try and sit there and go, ah, that nothing would come out. Yeah, right. Um, and so um, I, my, uh, my parents took me to a hypnotist and one session, gone. All right. Was that in the States or here? It was in the States. Oh, we need to find one here. Yeah. Let's do let's 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 get hypnotized and see if we can change our relationship with food. Yeah, let's do it. Let's let's see if we can yeah. uh, overcome that because we have the exact same problem. It, yeah, we're too good at eating. <laughs> well, I mean that's probably an accurate way of saying it. Too yeah. good at eating too much. Yeah, no, but I think no my one's issue, better at making themselves feel sick from a charcuterie board. <laughs> <laughs> my issue, and I'm sure people on this podcast don't give a fuck, but I'll tell you anyway, is. Um, I can eat healthily, but I'm obsessed with it. So, like, I can't eat in moderation. Like, it, it, I have to be obsessed with whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And so, it's like, if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to eat whatever I feel like, I eat till I'm sick. And if I'm going to eat, like, properly, then it, it has to be everything planned 100%. Like, and I can totally never... sustainable. Yeah. And I can never be like, oh, I've eaten half of this meal. That is enough. Yeah. Like, that's a psychopath move. What are you, a pussy? I'm going to eat yeah. the whole fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like, my wife is, like, she is the king of moderation. Yeah. She's just like I'm. I'm satisfied. No, no, I'm never satisfied. No. I, if I don't, if I don't feel sick at the end of the meal, it was a bad meal. Yeah, it was a piece of shit. <laughs> I only eat Brazilian barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> All right, perfect place to wrap up the show. All right, uh, that's it, guys. If you like this stuff, let us know. Hit us with the comments. Um, yeah. All of that, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Put that coffee down. down. down.